Maybe you grew up in a really tough neighborhood, and so violence is something that you're used to. That doesn't make you stronger. That doesn't make you a person of high growth.、Mm-hmm. If you're going through things, you have to make sure that you understand. In order to actually have growth, there's a certain mindfulness that you have to have in order to say this particular thing is a lesson well learned. Welcome to the Push Podcast. Why push? Because a nudge is just too friendly. And friend, we're here to help you get your shit together. I'm Eddie, and I'm Janelle, and we're the Copelands. We've got three daughters, two businesses, a mortgage, and lots of responsibilities. So just like you, we're struggling to find that perfect balance of ambitious go-getter hustle while still staying present, loving our kids, and working on our relationship. <laughs> and doing the laundry, going to the grocery store. Oh, and don't forget being mindful. Yeah, all of the stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so, if you're juggling all the things, but you're also trying to get to the next level, guess what? You're in the right place. So, get ready to be pushed. Hey guys, welcome back to the Push Podcast. I'm Janelle Copeland, and I'm EC in the place to be Wu Tang. Yep, I'm trying to think what my Wu Tang name would be.、Hmm. Um, Takao. Would- That's taken. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you say like Takao? Because <laughs> I think I'm Method Man. Oh my god! If you have, if you guys haven't noticed,、uh, we've been soaking up. We've been binge watching the Wu Tang Wu Tang Clan. Wu Tang Clan ain't Hulu. Right? Yeah, on Hulu.、Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep.、Uh, new appreciation for Wu Tang. It's a great story. It's a, it's a really great story. It's interesting because growing up, Wu Tang was big in high school. And I went to predominantly white high school in, and Asian,、uh, mostly white. A-、okay. It's Asian now.、Mm, okay. When I when I was there, it wasn't so much. Oh, and they just love some Wu Tang.、Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the kids got a Wu Tang tattoo. Wow! Right, and so I was mostly into like, you know, at that time probably more gangster rap.、Mm-hmm. Well, I guess Wu Tang can be considered. I don't know, whatever.、Yeah. But there was an appeal that.、Um, You know, some of my white brethren, brethrens、mm-hmm. would like. I don't know what it was, but they just love some Wu Tang. Yeah, well, I mean, we're watching the Hulu series, and they started out going to a bunch of white colleges and just, you know, taking over their music and putting in their own tracks and rapping at the parties. So, yeah, I see why they have a huge following. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. Out of、Talk、all about bootstrapping. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's、yeah. a really great like. They really bootstrap that、yeah. song. I mean, we don't know. We don't know. Like we're in the beginning state. We're in like season two, but、mm-hmm. pretty interesting. Anyways, do you have a what in the world? Yeah. Okay. So I already know, know what you're gonna say.、Uh, lately, <sighs> you're、uh, such an idiot. My wife. Here's the reality, right? She has a a, a aversion to tickling. Aversion. Aversion. And aversion.、Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Okay. For tickling, she hates it. Doesn't with a、like、passion, with a passion. Let's、and、take a poll. Actually, people, who actually likes being tickled? Everybody. No. And if you <laughs> and if you say you don't, the reality is, if <sighs> if I walked over and said I'm going to tickle you, immediately you would smile. Most people smile in the face of tickling. Yeah. You, on the well, other hand, are like an violent. evil, violent yeah, person.、Um, I can't be alone though. I. Despise being tickled. You know that I do. Yet this week you've been torturing me and pretending to tickle me. I haven't tickled and... you once. No, you you try to do these little like you'll grab like my side or something, and I'm like, he's gonna try, he's gonna try, and you'll one squeeze day, one time. I look at you crazy, you. <laughs> and then we're gonna wind up divorced. I'm gonna tell you. You know that I can't stand it. I don't know why we're even having this conversation. Because that's my what in the world is what would possess you to be so violent? So I don't I had want to, re- to people, be tickled. I had to record her evil, vitriol language that she spewed at me at night. Yeah, while we're、and、laying in then, bed trying to go to bed, with the idea, not me actually tickling you. The idea you stuck your sharp fingernail、mm-hmm. right into my neck. I shanked you. <laughs> In bed, I thought it was going to just be like one of those things. It was like you know when you puncture a bag of liquid and it just comes pouring out. I thought、right. that's what's going to happen. I said, and I grabbed. You shouldn't mess I, with me. I grabbed my neck like like I was going to die. Like you had and, a gunshot wound. Like, yeah, and yeah, you know there was no damage. But well, so leave me、possible. alone, and we wouldn't. I wouldn't have to be so, violent. Yeah, I'm not the only person that hates to be tickled. They, However, 
were we went to a store the other day. We were ordering like Tell smoothies them. or something Tell at a juice place, and we walk in and we're having this argument about you know tickling. And he says, "I know that deep down you really like it because every time I bring it up, you smile. You can't have a conversation <laughs> about tickling without somebody smiling." And I was like, "Just leave me alone. I don't want to be tickled." So we're walking into the juice place, and I asked the guy. He's like, "Hi, welcome to Juices R Us or whatever." And I go, let me ask you a question. Do you like being tickled? Immediately, you guys, this guy smiles and he goes, yeah. He goes, well, you know. Okay, you're fired. Yeah. He goes, well, you know, I'm like, see? Yeah. Everyone. And then Eddie said, does it bring you joy? And he said, yeah. Yeah, It doesn't bring me joy. It's a hundred percent for most people, except for you. It's like one of those things where you want it to stop, but it makes you laugh. And, it, and it, it's like a fond memory. I, it's not. It, I, I'm overcome with anger. The thought of you tickling me against my will. You just never been tickled, right? I don't. I, <laughs> I don't care how you spin it. I don't want you tickling me. Okay, whatever. And it's not like, and I'm, people. I'm not talking about like when people accidentally like you know tickle your feet. I'm talking about like a You're good old about going in fashion. <laughs> Gut tickle, like <laughs> I know. hate the way you're making me feel right now. I hate it. It's literally making me mad at you. So, in order to get through this episode, let's change the subject. Uh, okay, I'm angry. <laughs> like I want you to sleep on the couch so that way you don't just go in for a good okay, old fashioned. I have another t- what in tickle. the world. What? Okay, I want to know how you would feel. So I ran across this TikTok video mm-hmm. and it was from uh, 2005. Okay. Okay. And it was the Destiny's Child okay. performing Cater to You. Uh-huh. Will you cater to me? Yeah. <laughs> Fun yeah. fact that a portion of that was my wedding vows. I know. You uh-huh. like, you like, you owe them some money. Or I don't something. owe them okay. shit. <laughs> so they, they do this performance mm-hmm. at some award show and they Destiny's bring Child. Destiny Child. So they bring on the stage three uh, men from three the men audience, from the audience uh, Magic Johnson, mm-hmm. Nelly, mm-hmm. and then Terrence Howard. Mm-hmm. Okay. They put up chairs, they sit down, they do kind of like a strip tease kind of thing. Yep. Uh-huh. Right. And so then they're like stroking them and mm-hmm. singing to them. I want to know. If I was just an innocent human man, your your husband sitting in the audience, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, you know, Beyonce pulls me up on stage, mm-hmm. how would you feel about that? Tell the people. Uh, I, I feel like that. I'm be- fine. Live your life. What? You think Beyonce is leaving Jay Z for you? Oh. <laughs> Okay, this I is a mean, hypothetical question. You don't have to insult me. Okay, uh, I, mean, I have my qualities. Next, you do. I, have I chose you. I love you. I, I think I, I'm you a significant do. human being. But I mean, the chances of her giving you like a little striptease in front of thousands of other but, people like, and then slipping her phone number. No, to no, you? no. It's not about that. But okay, like, enjoy your life as, as you're watching it. Enjoy are you, your life. I think it's great. I would love to watch you get a strip tease from Beyonce. That'd be great. That's so interesting. Yeah, okay. I wonder how Jay Z would feel about her doing a strip tease for you. I don't know. She's a performer. Uh, apparently, he has nothing to worry about. <laughs> he doesn't. I, I'm fine with it. My next question was to be though, like if you said they had to pull guys from the audience, I was like, okay, Michelle picks you. Ah, good luck with that. <laughs> Kelly Rowland, she's got a great body now. I'm good. That's great. Beyonce, you really won. I, I was going to say, so sorry, I can't go up there. You could, can you pick someone? No, else? you wouldn't have to do that. Yeah. <laughs> you know that I'm not jealous like that. I know. I know. Especially yeah. if I'm there now. If Beyonce's giving you a private something, yeah, like, close the door. Excuse me, ma'am. Yeah, then I'm <laughs> like, uh, oh, you better go to your own man. <laughs> so as long as you can see it, yeah, I'm fine and, with that. Okay, all right. Yeah, Just enjoy curious. your life. I mean, because they pull a magical mistakes, and I was like, where is Cookie? Yeah, well, everybody in the comments was like, like uh, why would they pull a married man out of the audience? Right. Like, I saw Terrence Howard really enjoying it. That's great. You know, who was yeah. the other one? And the comments for him was funny because they, they were like, were so great. He, he really, was in it. He was, he was like, he was willing to throw it all away. He was throwing it. Yeah. Was, he was so, he was like, I don't know if it was his acting or what, but he was definitely was enthralled. So, all right, just curious. All right. Do you have a toxic trait? <laughs> Why are you looking at me like that? I don't, My toxic trait is lately, oh, it's been a, this way for a long time, but like 
being in an area saying, let me see how much these houses cost and then wanting to mm -hmm. buy a house immediately yeah. in that area if I like the area. Yeah, that's a, that's definitely a toxic trait. It's yeah. like one of those things you're like, oh, we're not in that position to do that right now. And you're like, yeah, but calling still, people. You got to know how much things cost. I mean, looking you at gotta how much. You got to will it to happen. I got to manifest it. I got to do my research. I got to know. Looking at how much it costs is one thing. Like making phone calls. Yeah. <laughs> saying, I can make anything happen. Yeah, you, you, you know that. Right. You're absolutely Come on. right. Yeah, so, so manifestation in the house. That's it. Yeah. But that is a toxic trait. Okay. Like if we go visit a place and I'm like, I really like this area. I wonder how much the homes are. And then for the rest of the week, I'll send you homes in that area. We'll go look at them, set up some real estate appointments. Like you just got to will it into existence. Yeah. I mean. I can't be alone in that either. No, you, you can't. I'm I, not alone in this world, no, no matter how you make me feel. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So today's episode number 189, we're talking about why tough times don't always make you stronger. And that's an interesting question because you came home from work today and you asked me, do you think all of your tough times have made you stronger? And I'm like, yeah, 100 percent without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah, I am who I am because of my childhood, because of all the things I went through, because of the struggles, because of you know, moving out really young, having to pave a way, make, become my own person, you know, parent myself and then learn how to be a good parent. All of those things have shaped me. And then you asked me 2,700 other questions and then I was questioning my life. Well, it, what prompted is I was listening to this podcast. It, it, you probably heard it. Hidden Brain. I've mentioned it I before. love Hidden Brain. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so the, it's basically like a psychology course every single time you listen yeah. to it. Like shit it, you should know about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they, they do research. And one of the arguments was that mostly in America, we live in this environment where we say, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, mm -hmm. right? And we glorify our heroes, our superheroes, individuals that in hindsight, when they look back at their life, they do exactly what you just said. And what I've done before is you look at every single struggle in your life and you say, it's because of this hard stuff mm -hmm. that I am great. Mm -hmm. And it made me just, and so the, the premise was saying that that's not always the case. Mm -hmm. Not every single a thing that you face uh, or any, any type, all the adversity in your life uh -huh. makes you stronger. And so in some cases, there's a perception that you're stronger. There's a perception that you're better, but maybe you're actually traumatized. Mm -hmm. Maybe you're actually, you know, maybe sometimes the, the adversity is too big, too much to bear that you n don't ever get to a place of growth. And then we have individuals that we know that are constantly struggling, but don't seem to have growth. Well, let me just stop right there. First, you said in America, we glorify struggles, which right. we do. We're very big on the hero's journey, right. right? We've been to conferences, whether it's a Tony Robbins conference or some other sort of personal development. And oftentimes the speaker will be handicapped, have some sort of disability and standing ovation at the end because those are struggles and adversities that you overcame. And still you're sitting here on stage right. with all the success. Right. So. So I'm here for it. That stuff is motivating for me. For yeah. Sure. And, and, it's, and so and for those who don't know, The Hero's Journey is that Joseph Campbell wrote this book. Basically, every single movie now follows it. You have a protagonist. They're unwilling. They don't want to do what they have to do. They have this tough time. Mm -hmm. They go through this tough Difficult time. Challenge. And then they're forced because of the circumstances to step up and evolve. And then there's a happy ending. Right. right. And so there's I'm, I'm leaving out some things just for the yeah. sake of time. But that is something that is ingrained in our films. It's ingrained in the things that we look at for people who do amazing things. The first thing they say is that it's from my tough times that have made me who I am today. Right. And the question is, is if that is the case, and in many cases, generations would say, you know, it was harder for one generation and it's easier for the next generations mm -hmm. following that. Will that become a situation where like our kids who did not go through the same struggles that we went through mm -hmm. and probably our parents would say we didn't go through the same struggles that they went through. Right. Like That's because life gets better with every generation. Right. What Does that make it to a point where people don't grow, that they don't have evolution and become better? I think that, yeah, the older generations, I do believe this is going to sound terrible, but I do believe this is why people die. 
because at some point, <laughs> which we're going to be those the people non, that the die. non-tickling lady says, no, but we're going to be those people that die because at some point, like you get to a point where you're like, my experiences in life, all of my challenges, all of my adversities, they've made me who I am, and you're maybe a bit calloused. Uh, you have less empathy, mm. and you definitely think that you had it harder, especially as technology gets better, as people's lifespan gets longer, as people, you know, maybe get healthier, science, all this stuff improves how we live. I mean, that could even just be like uh, plastic surgery, yeah. right? Like, well, back in my day, we didn't have we all that silicone. Blah, <laughs> right, right. So the point is, is I think this is why generations die off eventually, because your ideas, your beliefs and your experience no longer allow you to see like empathy for the younger generations mm. and the love that they need. Right. Yeah. With that said, I think every generation goes through their own version of struggles. Mm. And so for our kids, like going through high school, right. We were like, I remember vividly saying like, I know what it's like to go to high school. Like I know how mean kids can be. I know blah, blah, blah. And Jasmine said, you don't know what it's like to be in high school in 2020 yeah. or in 2018. And I said, you're right. I don't. Yeah. Tell me what it's like. Right. So I had to quickly as a mother say, I have no clue what it's like to be a teenager in the age of social media. I have no clue what it's like to constantly every single day, every time I look at this device in my hand is showing me some form of comparison that makes me feel bad about my body. I have no idea how badly that could impact my self-confidence. I have no idea what that feels like because I haven't experienced that. So. Yeah, um, she was yeah. right, right? Yeah. And it's interesting because like, and I think this is where kind of the rub is, and this is where people really need to like understand, I think in my perspective is because we go through certain things that are hard for us, we become very egocentric, right? Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is, like we focus on us because we're we're trying to survive it. Well, because right? you're the main character. We're your main character. Yeah, and I, you know, in, in most cases, you're the main character in your own in, the, mm -hmm. in your life, and so you're going through this struggle, and so you're only thinking about you. And I think that that what that does, and you made a really good point. I hope people caught it. Is like as you go through certain struggles and things in life, it's very easy for you to close off the fact that or misremember or remember incorrectly or inaccurately how you felt going through it. Mm -hmm. And then you get through it and you're technically quote unquote stronger. And all of a sudden when you're in a, in a conversation or involved with someone who's going through their own struggle, you can have a lack of empathy. Yeah. I, that happens to me all the time in the sense that like we train and consult, you know, small with small business owners that are starting businesses. Yeah. Well, we've started several businesses and I know how hard and scary and debilitating it can be, how costly and, you know, from a money standpoint, time standpoint, I understand that. I don't forget the struggle, but also sometimes when people are telling me this list of reasons why they can't be in a good mood, they can't work out, they can't spend time with their kids, they can't take a day off. I'm like, I don't need the context. Mm. I already know it. So let me tell you what you need to do to fix it. Mm. And so it can come off as a lack of empathy, right. which it's not that I forgot how it felt, but I went through it for so long that now I know a different way to go through it. So you either want to listen or you don't. Yeah. And you also build a callus, right? right? Like, like you just like anything that scars you, you heal and you build a callus. Yep. And now that place is a little tougher, yep. right? And I think it's it's important to distinct between being tougher and actually growing, mm -hmm. because I think you can get tough by just going through hell, yeah. right? There are people who have hellish lifestyles and, and, and childhood experiences, and they're tough mm -hmm. because of it. And so what people experience, and obviously when I say tough, it's very subjective. Right. Because the thing is, is that every, like to your point around Jasmine, everyone's struggle is individualized. Mm -hmm. And it's like when people say you have a, I have a high threshold for pain. And I'm like, compared to what? Right. What are you comparing that to? Like, compared to their pain that they've been right. through. Like, exactly. Right. So your threshold so for, it's for the pain, same. it's the same thing. I'm tough as shit because of the tough stuff that I had to endure. Right. right? And so that that's the thing where I think we have to be very thoughtful 
people and thinking about the fact when we're interacting with people who are going through certain things, just know that you may have a threshold that has been built because of the things you've gone through, but that person's just beginning or that person may not have had to deal with those things. And I think that what ends up happening for us, we've we've talked about having to kind of guard ourselves and and really slow down is that you can get to a place where you're like, okay, I have urgency and Mm -hmm. I'm moving at a different pace because I've gone through all this already. Right. And so I have quick answers for you, which could be robbing people from an experience that helps them build a certain level of of toughness. For sure. So some, when you say like adversity and setbacks, I'm going to give you guys some examples. Like we could start with career setbacks. So that Mm -hmm. could be job loss. We've been there. That could be, um, um, a failed business venture. We haven't like filed bankruptcy on any business ventures, right. but we've had business ventures that were not good that right. we didn't want to be in. You could be faced with a difficult boss, terrible coworkers, major career setbacks, a disappointment around not getting a promotion that you want. A significant source of like stress often comes from work. So that could be anything challenging in your workplace that you're going through. Maybe you're not being recognized for the work that you're being done or that you're doing. Maybe you're being asked to commute two hours and it's inconvenient, right? right. And so again, people's thresholds are different, but I'd say in most cases, we've been through all of those things, <laughs> right? Right. All right. of those right. at some point. And so when someone is telling me, you know, oh, my commute, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, get another job. Mm-hmm. Like, it's simple because, you know, I've complained about that, too. And what kept me stuck for years is I should just got a different job. Right. Right. Another example would be financial stress. We could go on and on about this. But raising a family, especially in Los Angeles, that shit's expensive. Right. Right. Raising children, period, can be super expensive. You could go through uh, a recession or a pandemic. We've been through both, right? You could lose your job in the middle of a recession. That's happened to us, right? You could have unexpected emergencies like health issues that arise that cost you a fortune, right? Like if you don't have insurance and all of a sudden you have an unfortunate like health crisis, you're diagnosed with cancer, you have a broken foot, you get pregnant, you have a baby with no insurance, those things can be catastrophic like right. when it comes to finances and also health, right? Parenting alone, we can go on and on. Kids, I said before, cost money. They want to do club volleyball or sign up for summer programs or whatever. But just the art of balancing all of your regular household expenses, but then also extracurricular activities. And then let's not talk about like relationship struggles. Marriage yeah. is difficult, yeah. right? I'd say particularly the first seven years of marriage is really difficult if you're trying to raise kids that are young. And so I want to throw all of these challenges out there because everyone is going to go through some form or fashion of these problems in these categories. I'd say that we've been through the bulk of them. Yeah. And I think that... And that doesn't make us better than anyone. No. And that's the the point of this is because you can go through those things and they don't necessarily make you stronger. Yeah. They don't necessarily make you better. They just mean that you've gone through them. Right. And so you may, you know, start to build a certain level of of toughness or desensitizing mm-hmm. from these things. Maybe you grew up in a really tough neighborhood and so violence is something that you're used to. Yeah. That doesn't make you stronger. Right. That doesn't make you a person of high growth. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's important, like for people who are listening, if you're going through things, you have to make sure that you understand in order to actually have growth, there's a certain mindfulness that you have to have in order to say this particular thing is a lesson well learned. Yeah. Right. And here's what I'm learning through this, because we know people who hit rock bottom and then they, they get up just a little bit, they climb up just a little bit, and then they hit rock bottom again. Yeah. And it's partly is because they are not assessing, yeah. right? And they're not you know, reflecting on their life, right? And I think it was Socrates that said, a life um, that's not being assessed is not a life worth mm. living, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you're not self-reflecting and asking yourself, what am I doing here? What am I getting myself into? How did I get here? Yeah. What do I need to change? Because I think there's two things you need to do is you need to say, is it the environment I need to change, right? Or is it something I need to change within myself? And those two things are very different. Yeah. Can I just say, like, caveat, there are certain things I think are really difficult to overcome that I don't necessarily think you become a better person for. Mm. One of those would be loss. 
losing a child, I think, is unfathomable. And I don't think that there's necessarily growth you experience and you find the reason why. I mean, I do know some people that are super religious and they'd say, you know, God had a plan and my child was used for a temporary lesson for other people as an angel. That's great. I'm just going to be real. I'm pretty woke. But if I lost a child, I would be devastated. Yeah. And it would take me a very long time before I found a blessing in that. Mm -hmm. That's not to say that there wouldn't be many blessings through that. So friends showing up and, you know, supporting you or people sending flowers or food, like all of those things would be amazing blessings. I wouldn't be a better person for those things, but I could still find gratitude during that time. right? Right. So there are four things that kind of determine whether when you go through something really challenging, you're going to come out someone who has grown, someone who's better for it, someone who's learned the lesson. And one of those things is your coping skills. So coping skills are essential for dealing with difficult situations. But let's be real, not everybody has solid coping mechanisms or skills or experience in coping, right? One of those things is our daughter, Jasmine, her ex-boyfriend lost his father this summer. You're 20 something years old, young 20s. You have no coping skills really around loss because you haven't experienced any loss, right? right? And so talking through those things with him was something that we had to teach him a couple of coping skills, right? Yeah. And I don't think people really talk about that enough. Like there are unhealthy coping strategies that could be uh, completely like you know, removing yourself from everything, distancing yourself from your family, drugs, alcohol, sex, many different things that people rely on for coping strategies or coping mechanisms. But those don't make you grow stronger through the adversity. Those are detrimental to your growth, actually. A hundred percent. And I think that for anyone who's listening to this, this is something that so many people have to really look at and say, when I went through that thing that I went through, whatever that thing is for you, did you think about the fact that, hey, maybe I didn't respond really right. well, right? Maybe I flew off the handle. Mm-hmm. Maybe I, instead of getting stronger, I feel so weak. Right. But I think the thing that you're talking about is your ability to say, well, I had to go through this. I coped with it. And here are the things that I learned about what I went through. And so when I go through, because you probably will go through loss again mm-hmm. of some sort, yeah. Then what I can know, I tap into? right? I can I can tap into what I did this time yep. to overcome the next time. To me, that's growth, right? Right. If I can pull something from whatever I went through, and I can get more strategic with my thinking, and I have a new strategy for what I when I have to deal with loss, it doesn't mean you're not going to go through the same emotional roller coaster. Right. But you know, I say, hey, you know what? I leaned into prayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I leaned into my meditation. Mm-hmm. I know that I, I started. I relied working. on friends. I relied on friends. I, I went to therapy. I, I got exercise. Mm-hmm. Like I've created a response mechanism mm-hmm. for these things. The key thing is, is that what people really want to work on is how they re- respond in immediate fashion, right? Yeah. Because most people react to things, mm-hmm. and what we want to do is try to respond to them, right? Yeah, it's that old adage where it says that you know when you go to the doctor and, and they say hey, you're having a reaction to the medication, there's a problem, mm-hmm. right? But if you have, the doctor says, you know what, you're responding really well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a good thing. right? And so I think that when you're dealing with setbacks and adversity, like learning from the, your mistakes of wh- how you responded or how you reacted and move to a place of say, how do I respond better? Yeah, I have a quick example of that. So I had an employee that worked for the Cake Mamas. Her name was Sydney, and I love Sydney. I hired her a couple months after her father had passed away. So Sydney's young in her 20s, and she has, I think, three other sisters. And as I got to know her, she opened up to me, and she said that when her father passed away, he passed during the night next to her mom. And how she found out was that the mom woke up, you know, found the father die and he had died in his sleep. And the mom starts shrieking, I'm screaming at the top of her lungs, crying. So that's how Sydney woke up. And that's how when she and her sisters ran into the mom's room, that's how they found out that in those moments, their father had died. Mm -hmm. I remember her telling me this and being a mother of three daughters. And I was like, 
so, you know, shocked and just I could hear the pain in her. She's never going to forget that. Right. right. She's also never going to respond the same if anyone ever wakes her up and they're shrieking and crying. And like, it's just it sounded so traumatizing and my heart broke for her. Shortly after that, I had a dream that it happened with you. And this was years ago. And I woke up sobbing, right? But I remember in the dream, the dilemma was I found you in the morning, but I had remembered like how I behave right now in front of my daughters, how I wake them up out of bed is going to determine like how well they're able to work through this and handle Mm -hmm. this. And so I called you crying and I was like, okay, I have a plan now. And that came from experience, just like I had to create a coping skill that was because of some, not something I had personally experienced, but access to a story, right? And I think oftentimes people fail to like tap Mm. into those lessons. You you can see someone else go through something and you can hear it and it sounds terrible, but then you fail to put yourself in that situation and say, how could I respond differently if this happens to me, right? Right? right. And I think you would say, I'm pretty good at that. Like I've been in car accidents with my kids. I've been around adults that fly off the handle. I've been around adults that don't care about the response that they have in front of their children. That's something that's triggering for me. And so the first time I got into a major car accident with Jordan, I was like, I'm going to stay as calm as possible. Like, I, And that could be a whole nother episode. But I calmly turned around and I said, are you OK? You know, like, this is scary. Yeah. Touch your limbs. Are you bleeding? We're OK. And I gave them a pep talk before we got out of the car. I said, when we get out of the car, everyone's going to be panicking. Everyone's going to come over. They're going to touch you. They're going to be overreacting. They're going to ask you if you're OK. Remember this moment that we are calm and we are safe so that way you don't freak out because everyone else is making you freak out. And it was so remarkable to watch them stay calm. And I was really proud of that. Like, it's a traumatizing thing. And we talked about it later. But it's like, you know, like that was something I needed to tap into in order to say I got to be better than what I've seen in the past. God, There's so much in that because I think it speaks to who you are as a person that learns you like to learn from other people right and so if you learn from other people and you are able to extract learnings it just puts you so much ahead of Mm -hmm. others that have to like my mom would say you got to learn the hard way right right? right. so like you go through something (laughs) yeah and so i would make mistakes she goes i've been telling so sometimes people can tell you something and you're just not ready for Mm -hmm. it right and when you're not ready for it you don't give it any any thought because you're just not at that mental stage yet, yeah. right? Or that maturity. And so you end up learning the hard way. But I think what you took is you said this traumatic story, you showed a, a tremendous amount of empathy and you can understand many versions of that. Mm-hmm. You can understand the mom waking up. The mom up, did nothing wrong. Right? You can understand, you know, Sydney feeling yep. like traumatized by that scream mm-hmm. yep. and that being something that's like an anchor now I to that moment. I just did not want my kids to have to go through Right. That. And yeah. so... Like now you have a mental strategy to handle something right. that may be traumatic. And people may be listening to that going, well, you say that now, but right. when it happens. But it, in those cases, like, it, I mean, you didn't you die. Just, but, but you just gave yeah. an example of like, hey, I've saw people in a, a car mm-hmm. accidents freak out. Yeah. And I said to myself, that's not how I'm right. going to behave. And it also speaks to your motivation of like, hey, I want to be able to get like this demonstrate to my daughters right. a way of living and moving through the life with a certain sense of uh calm. peace calm yeah. uh and then also a little bit of like control like I'm, yeah. I, I have mental control over my over this situation yeah. and i think that that is a powerful thing i don't think many people have that type of motivation well let life. me explain why yeah. so remember i said there were four reasons why you might not be growing through your problems number one is you don't have good coping skills it might not be your fault it might not be something you've been challenged with, but it's something to consider. What are my coping strategies, right? Number two is your social support. Mm. So, so often or so many of our generation in particular, like you were raised without the emotional support of your parents. Like our generation is 
considered latchkey kids, right? We had to toughen up. Why? Because our parents were at work, right? right. Like we've said before, like I couldn't be sick at school. I had right. to just toughen up. And like, why? Because my mom was a single working mom. She couldn't leave work, right? And so that social support, though, is really important because it helps you build resilience around things that maybe other people don't have to be super tough about, right? Right. And then the social support is kind of going back to what we're talking about, where I want to support and role model how my kids can move through adversities and challenges while remaining calm, still being in tune with their feelings, but also not freaking out about it. Right. Yeah, I love that. And also what I hear from that is this, you know, I don't know if you we watched Ted Lasso. Uh One of the big parts of Ted Lasso is the whole believe thing. Right. Um, so they have the poster up that yeah. says believe and everybody hits it. Uh, if you haven't watched Ted Lasso, it's a great one, right? Yeah. But I was having a meeting and I said, like, I want you to think about who believes in you. Right. Right. So if you if I say who believes in you, who believes in you? You. I, I do believe mm-hmm. in you. Who else believes in you? You. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think my kids believe in me. Your kids. Yeah. And you could probably go down yeah. a list of things of people. When you have people in your life that believe in you when times are at such that you don't believe in yeah. you, that to me is strength, yeah. right? Because the things you're going to go through, the adversities can weaken you in the moment. And then you have your wife, your spouse, your kids that can build you back up and help you understand. Like, Because I know I probably see a version of you that you don't see yet, mm-hmm. right? I believe in you yeah. probably more than you believe in you because- we all have our own doubts yeah. within, right? Mm-hmm. But I don't have those doubts for you. Right. And so I think surrounding yourself with people that believe in you and showing appreciation yeah. for the people that are in your life that you know believe in you, that will be there for you when you probably can't be there for yourself. Right. Well, support systems, like some people are going to say, well, it must be nice. I don't have a spouse that believes in me. You got I don't somebody. Have... Well, you might not. It could not. be work. It could it be could, your therapist. It could be your friend. It could be <laughs> a coworker. It could be someone. But so often I see people suffer in silence. Yeah. And that is kind of what I want to hammer home on this. Like you need some sort of social support system. And those people, if you're willing to be open to their feedback, their coaching, their advice, their perspectives, you know, the Push Podcast is one of your social. We believe uh, in you. Yeah, it's, this is so social support. We right. believe that you can make different choices and try on different perspectives. You need someone in your corner to kind of push you towards that. Love it. The next thing is self-esteem. Number three, a person's self-esteem and their self-confidence definitely can impact their ability to bounce back from mm-hmm. adversity. So if you have really low self-confidence, you're already feeling insecure, imposter syndrome, like the list goes on and on and I'm just not feeling uh, like my self-confidence or my self-esteem is very high and something terrible happens, in most cases, it's going to validate all of the things that I feel. So that would be one reason, a huge reason why someone lets themselves go or they experience some sort of challenge and then they slip more further into victimhood instead of learning and growing, assessing, kind of taking some responsibility and saying, what do I have to do to pull myself out of this? So self-esteem is a huge one. This is the thing I think is so important. And that is life can be a lot of different things for you. Mm -hmm. It 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 can have all kinds of meaning. But the one thing I think is a universal thing that everyone has to do is that you have to make sure that you're working every single day to build your self-esteem, to build your self-image in your mind of who you are so that you have confidence. Because what you just mentioned, I think is so powerful because if I don't do that and I'm not intentional, I am so vulnerable. Yeah, I'm walking these streets in this world that I have zero control over. Yeah. And I'm at this place where I, I'm one small thing, one large thing, one midi, me, medium-sized adversity from breaking apart. Yeah. And I think that you can build your own self-esteem in a lot of different ways. You've got to find the thing that helps you. And the, the, one of the things that we talk about all the time is that you've got to build certain disciplines in your life that you could be proud of yourself. Right. And I think that that, to me, builds self-esteem. And it may not necessarily feel like it's directly related to dealing with or are coping with adversity, but it is. Yeah. Like if I do something every day where I say, God, I'm just so happy, proud of myself to sticking with something mm-hmm. or uh, adding this to my routine, it makes me feel great. Yeah. Then I'm giving myself at least some type of ability to withstand the pressures and yeah. the, the things that may happen in life. But I think most people 
don't put invest that time into building your self-esteem. Yeah. And so they're super vulnerable. And, and when they get hit with something, it's crushing. Yeah. So it reminds me of Jordan, our youngest daughter, sidebar. We are both wearing Lambda, the London Academy of Music and Dramatic Art t-shirts. Why? Because our girl got into her dream college and we've been celebrating for about a week. And so we got the sweatshirts, we got the balloons, all the stuff, because it's something to be really proud of. Why am I telling you this? I'm not telling you this to brag. I'm telling you because when we are celebrating her, we are reminding her of how hard she worked for this. You don't get the celebration. You don't get the applause without the hard work. And so she's putting in the work. And then what happens is it's building her self-confidence. How the hell do you think she feels right now knowing she got into her dream school? She feels amazing. She feels accomplished. She, She feels really lucky, really blessed. She's been saying that all week. Today, we were having a conversation. I said, remember what it feels like to be a beginner, though. Because when you go to college, there's going to be other people that are going to be better actors than you. And there's nothing wrong with being the worst actor in the class. You got to find a way to feel excited about that because that's why you're there. You're there to start your college journey. You're there to train. You're there to get even better than you are. So you're at the top right now. Be prepared to be back at the bottom. And she was like, oh, that's good. Right. So these are coping strategies. So that way, when you feel the doubt or the self-esteem kind of slip, remind yourself how badass you are that with the hard work, with the discipline, like you were mentioning, this is why you're here. Yeah, and I think you have to have faith of of some type of capacity that what you do will pay off at some point. And then you also have to have grace and understanding that you don't know when that's gonna pay off. And so sometimes you gotta just keep working at it and keep working at it. And then as you work hard, you build that self-esteem because you can be proud of your, of the efforts that you put in. And that's part of the reasons why we, we we try not to pump the kids up about how smart they are or how talented they are. Instead, Instead we say how hard they worked. How hard they yep. worked because I think that that is something that you can always lean on and you have control over. Yep. And then number four, the reason why it may be difficult for you to learn and grow through the adversity is your past experiences have a huge influence on how you're going to kind of maneuver through the challenge, right? So if you've had trauma or any other sort of major adversities that you've had in the past where it was difficult for you to cope, where Mm. you didn't have support, where you struggled, felt helpless or hopeless, you're always going to tap into those past experiences, Mm. right? So- This is how I felt last time. Great. Now this is how I'm going to feel this time. That makes sense. I couldn't go through it that last time. Now I'm not going to be able to go through it this time. Make sense? That speaks (laughs) to like mindlessly going through problems. Right. And that is something we all have been through. Like you go through a problem and you're just trying to survive. Right. right? And then you respond or you react in an erratic way. And you think this is just the appropriate response. Right. And I think that that what you're also mentioning, too, is that it's the flip side of what you mentioned before about what you learned about people in a car accident. It's also like you learn how to react to things from your parents. Right. Or from people in your life. A hundred percent. And. And not knowing what their motivation is, because let's be honest, some people go through problems and their motivation is not to fix the problem. Their motivation is to show everyone to get, this is my opportunity to get attention. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to behave in a certain way to make my response or reaction to this situation far more emotionally um, distracted or charged Mm -hmm. than the actual situation itself, right? So- Give an example of that though. uh, Like you, someone will, like a a light thing will happen, right? Because someone's listening and they're like, well, my feelings and thoughts are valid and you're diminishing my experience and- you're saying like some people based on their past experiences might go through something that's challenging and make it a bigger deal than it needs to be. Right. What's an example of that? A good example of that would be, let's just say, let's say you did lose your job, Mm -hmm. right? And you lost your job and you respond by calling everyone and telling them how awful this place is that yeah. you, you that you worked at mm-hmm. right and then you you you're talking about all the things that have happened in in past years yeah. leaving out deleting the fact that you decided to stay that long right, right? deleting and, the fact and, that there was a reason that you got sat down right 
and maybe dismissed or performance managed out. Whatever or, the case may yeah. be, right? And so, you know, rarely are you being fired for no reason, right, right? right? So you did something, but because you know deep down that you it, it was something that you deserved, what you'd rather do is say, I'm gonna have this huge emotional, res- uh, emotional response, mm. an elaborate story, to really emphasize the fact that I was a wrong. victim in yeah. this situation, mm-hmm. right? And so, and in some cases, you may be a victim of whatever you go through, but the there's an appropriate response, and then there's an inappropriate response. When you start to project on other people, and you start to blame other people for everything that's going on mm-hmm. in your life, even if they weren't involved, or you just you know you decide that hey, I'm going to have an emotional charge response, I'm going to snap at different people, mm-hmm. like those are things that make things worse. Yeah. But they also are an opportunity for people to get attention. They're also an opportunity for hurt people to hurt people. Yeah. Right. And you're taking these things out on, on people. And then others learn from that. So kids learn and respond. They say, oh, if I ever have a problem, the best thing for me to do is to go off on my spouse or to spank my kids or whatever the case may be. And I think that those are things that get drawn out and they become bigger than the problem itself. Yeah. So I think the point of this is there are strategies that you can put in place and kind of just ask yourself out of the four things that I shared, which ones do you need to lean into and maybe refine? Because let me just tell you, if you're going through a blessed, abundant season in life right now, I don't wish it upon you, but there will be some sort of challenge that comes about. Right. right? And how you respond is going to be determined on all of those things we listed. Like, yeah. Uh, what your past experience has be has been, what your current kind of tool belt of coping skills is, uh, what kind of support you have around you. We've talked many times before around the fact that people go through challenges and then they go home and they're married to like a twin <laughs> who has the same thoughts and view on the world. Right. So when they go home and they complain about their job, then now the spouse is just complaining with mm. them. Right. And I think that's, that's one thing. That's a big one. It's a huge one. So that goes back to your support system. You're right. going to respond different. Right. And so we've talked many times before about you and I, we don't allow each other to be victims. So if I yeah. come home and I'm complaining about something to you, you'll hear me out, but then you'll be like, okay, so what are you going to do about that? Or, wh- or what part uh, did you play in that? Right. Or what's the learning? Or And somehow we find a way to hold each other accountable to take some sort of yeah. responsibility. Sometimes it's not your fault, but you bringing home all this negativity is still your responsibility. So how are you going to get your shit together so you don't come home mad at work every day because that impacts our household, right? But I think it impacts big, our harmony. Yeah. And so you still have to be responsible for that. And so I don't know, there's just so much. But to I, I want to just, that, that's so important because I think there's some relationships, if you are this relationship and you're listening to this, there's some work you got to do. Some people want that person just to lay down yeah. and just agree mm-hmm. and allow them to, you know, kind of vent and they want to commiserate. Yeah. But if you're going through something really real, I mean, the reality is it may not feel good. Yeah. It may not feel great to come home to your spouse and they're just and they have a counter thought. And yeah. you do that really well. And there are times where I'm like, oh, she's right, yeah. right? And so, you, but you know, but but it's not so much I'm angry that you're right, but it's it's more around I was coming home. And I was venting, mm-hmm. and and it wasn't that I was a, being a victim, but I'm I'm sharing these thoughts from a standpoint that I feel like I'm right. right? I think you're sharing and only then, from your perspective. Right, I'm sharing. It my allows per- me to give you a different perspective and shift my paradigm, right. and so I look at it differently. Yeah. But there, I know for a fact, there's so many couples where it's just like that sparks an argument. Yes. And you've got to have greater mental, yeah. uh, emotional intelligence around this because. What it should do is shift your your perspective. It should shift your paradigm so you can say, I wasn't even thinking about it from that perspective. Or if I just gave you some context and some information and you walked away from that, it may make me think, okay, I may be thinking about this wrong, right? But that's what the growth is. That's that's how you get growth. You don't get growth by commiserating a problem and you allow someone to commiserate with you and you think, okay, well, like either I'm a victim or I'm right in this situation. That doesn't make you better. That doesn't make you a person that's coming out of with any type of high growth. Yeah. 
So that reminds me, and then I think we can kind of end it, but that reminds me of a time I had an employee, Alex, who worked for me. And I've shared this story before, but I share it all the time because it's an exact story of how your support system matters, right? right? Who you surround yourself with matters. And I want to ask this to the parents that are listening. Like, do you enable behavior from your kids or, you know, do you enable the behavior that your kids bring home? Or are you trying to get them to try on different perspectives? Mm. So Alex was a cake decorator for us. She was brand new. She was working at the Cake Mama's first day. She was reading an order. It had a picture. She was making a little sculpted character or something. And she made it and she said, what do you think of this? I was like checking her work and I said, ah. And I looked at it and she made it exactly like the picture. And it's just a tiny little thing. Again, first day of work. And she goes, well, this is what the picture looks like. And I literally, I said, well, Alex, just because the picture looks like shit doesn't mean we have to make it look like shit. <laughs> and I meant it in the funniest, serious, like, like I was being real about it. I did not see, and I still barely see what's wrong with that. Like, why? This is why. We're in an art world, right? People bring in pictures from Pinterest all the time. Most of the stuff that they bring in, we're going to make it better. Right. So that's my slogan, and that's how we run our team. My brand new employee doesn't know that yet, right? So so I said that. I said, well, Alex, just because the picture looks like shit doesn't mean you got to make it look like shit. Perfect. And, And that's it. She went back. She fixed it. That was it. She tells me months later that it made her cry (laughs) and she went home and she was sitting at dinner and her parents and her sister asked her like, how was your first day at work? And she was like, it was shitty. She starts crying. She starts telling her, her family, the story. And they laughed and said, well, did it look like shit? (laughs) And she started like, well, yeah, kind of. And they said, we'll do a better job. Yeah. And they went on about it and she came back to work the next day and that was That's it. So, so I didn't know about it so for great. months, right? And I laughed so hard when she told me because that's the kind of parents that we are. Like, where's the responsibility here? However, I will tell you after working on PTA, after being a drama mom and working with other parents, so often I hear these parents like, you know, oh, did you hear Mr. Such and Such? He's such a terrible English teacher. He's so mean to the kids. I'm like... Wait, is he really supposed to be super nice to the kids or is he just supposed to teach them English? I don't yeah. understand. Most 17 year olds, their perspectives are so warped. Like if you're taking it for, mind you, that's not to but say not we don't. 17, it's like 10 I mean, year old I'm just saying, yeah, 10 year old kids. Three year old, I don't care. Kids in general, yeah. their perspectives are so yeah. unrefined. Yeah. Like. Unless but it's something challenging egregious, is what I'm saying. Like you need to challenge yeah. that. Right. So if 100%. you have a spouse that is going to like, you know, like if Alex would have been married to someone just like her and she came home and he was like, oh, what a bitchy ass right. boss. Oh my you God. need to quit. You, you quit As a matter of fact, she's so rude. Don't even go back tomorrow. Right? right. And then Alex never shows up and I'm like, well, there goes another terrible employee. But I didn't know I was the problem. Right. right. So the point I'm trying to make and is she would support, never make something great. I, she would never make something great <laughs> if that's the support support system she chose. So be around people that are going to challenge you, that are going to ask you different questions. And if you don't have those friends, keep tuning into the Push Podcast because that's why we're here. Either way, tune back into the Push Podcast. I hope this episode served you. Please take some time, 30 seconds, leave a rating. Uh, Let us know if this was helpful. What did you take from it? Do you need to get better at coping skills? Do you need to find a new partner? I don't know. Do you need to not be tickled? Please let me know. Tell my husband to leave me alone. Make sure you tickle people. That's it. We'll see you guys in the next episode. Bye. Push through. Thank you for listening to the Push Podcast. Hey, we want to hear from you. So if you have a question or there's a particular topic that you want us to tackle and you want us to help you push through, you got to do something for us. You got to go to Apple Podcasts and you got to leave a rating and a review. And in that review, go ahead and leave that question with your Instagram handle so that we can shout you out when we actually answer the question. And we'll talk about that on the podcast and make sure that, hey, this particular podcast is made for you. So leave a rating, leave a review. You leave your handle and until next time push through